MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, September 29th, 2022. Today, Sidney Powell loses again in federal court. A romance novel cover model has pled guilty to dragging an officer down the Capitol steps on January 6th. Hurricane Ian slams into the west coast of Florida. President Biden unveils a plan to end hunger in the United States by 2030. And there's a new filing from the Department of Justice in the Pete Navarro Contempt of Congress case. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, Dana. Hello. Hi, AG. Coming to you live from San Francisco, California. Ah, yes. San Francisco. Uh, Pacific. What? Does that consider the Pacific Northwest or no? Just Northern California. Northern California. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm telling you, the videos and images I'm seeing of Hurricane Ian are just absolutely devastating. Horrifying. Nearly a million people are without power, Dana. So we're sending all of our love to those in Ian's path and everyone who has family members, loved ones, anyone impacted by this storm, please stay safe. Make sure you have a way to get up to the roof without going through the attic if you're there, if you tried to hunker down. They're expecting up to 18 feet of storm surge in some areas. That's just unheard of. So please, please, please take care. I know President Biden is going to send in reinforcements. He sent uh, FEMA aid and uh, everything starting, I think, three days ago. And I know America will be with you, Florida, when it's time to uh, rebuild. So absolutely. If you want to volunteer your time to help out with that effort, you can go to volunteerflorida.org. Or if you want to contribute, you got to go to floridadisasterfund.org or text disaster to 20222. And also, Dana, a listener wrote in today, hit me up uh, on Twitter, and wanted us to drop a note about his grandmother who recently passed away. Her name was Rose Godfrey. She was 93. She was a Holocaust survivor. Wow. Just lived her life to the fullest. She survived by seven grandchildren and five great-grandchildren. And the oldest of the grandkids, David, wrote to me and said, my bubby Rose was 93 and heard me talk about the Beans Queens and would have been tickled pink at hearing you guys talk about her. She had an amazing life after surviving the Holocaust, where she lost three siblings and her parents. She was 13, Dana. She built a life in Toronto. She had seven grandchildren, five great-grandchildren, all of whom have their own core memories. Everyone in her family felt included and loved and was told directly by her all the time. She is now able to go where everyone else is. And her motto, she wanted you to know, was to love life. So Absolutely beautiful. I'm so glad you got to read that. I love Bubby. It's such a, it's such a sweet Jewish you know, thing. It's my Bubby. Bubby, Bubby Rose. All right, we do have news to get to today, so we're going to just take a hard left turn with no segue here and hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, first up, Department of Justice has filed a 106-page omnibus motion in limine, which I like to call a motion in lemonade, in the criminal contempt case against Pete Navarro. Now, yesterday, you'll remember, I talked about the Department of Justice filing a motion for a writ of replevin to force him to give the United States back their documents. But this is his contempt case. (laughs) This is a different case. And a motion in limine is a motion requesting the court prevent a defendant from using certain arguments or evidence at trial for any number of reasons, including stuff like it's prejudicial, 
or it would confuse the jury or it's not a legal defense to the crime we're talking about. And all of that seems like a big one. Yeah, all of these things kind of apply here. They argue in this case they want to bar Navarro from using executive privilege as a defense for ignoring a subpoena because it's not. And, and they, they cite Bannon in, in that one. <laughs> they also want to bar the use of entrapment by estoppel because Navarro would have to show entrapment beyond a preponderance, which he's failed to do, right? Now, entrapment by estoppel, quote, and let me I'll explain what this is. I mean, we kind of know what entrapment is, right? An entrapment by estoppel arises when an individual criminally prosecuted for an offense reasonably relied on statements made by a government official and those statements actively misled the individual to believe that his or her conduct was legal. Interesting. So he would have to show he would have to show that somebody told him it was totes cool and totes legal <laughs> to not show up for his subpoena. Okay? And he has not done that. He has not provided any evidence as a matter of fact. So they don't want to hit he can't argue he was entrapped by the government into not showing up for his subpoena. If you're a cop, you got to tell me you're a cop, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Navarro also wants to argue that the January 6th committee is not legit. But because he didn't make that argument when he was subpoenaed, that means he effectively waived the right to make the argument in court. Much like how Donald didn't argue he declassified the documents when they went up and picked up the declassified documents pursuant to a subpoena. He never said that they were declassified. He actually wrapped them double wrapped them in a Redwell envelope (laughs) because that's how you do things with classified documents. Kind of the same idea here. Like you didn't bring this up when we subpoenaed you. You can't bring it up now. DOJ also wants to disallow a defense that he was selectively prosecuted for his political beliefs and that the government engaged in prosecutorial misconduct in the grand jury. And since none of those things have anything to do with contempt of Congress, he cannot make those arguments at trial either. And they've also asked the court to not permit politicization of the trial. They're like, just don't let him make this a a political circus. And they go on to bar all of the evidence that (laughs) that Navarro wants to introduce. (laughs) We're not taking any of that shit. They say his exhibits are irrelevant and inadmissible, including an email to a spokesperson for Donald that included his statements about executive privilege and that he wanted her to share this with Trump. Send this to the boss. Show this to the boss, he says. And then another email with a draft lawsuit against the January 6th committee. And he also wants to introduce his phone records. Now, the (laughs) the DOJ says the email is clearly hearsay and a lame attempt to introduce his executive privilege argument. The draft of the lawsuit is hearsay and it's self-serving drivel. (laughs) And And he didn't even tell us why he wants his phone records admitted, but it's probably for the same bullshit reasons. So you should disallow that, too. Then they attach the emails and his draft lawsuit for good measure. That's why it's 106 pages. That, that lawsuit was 87 pages long. I find it interesting, though, that we know the Department of Justice subpoenaed Navarro in a different investigation asking for all of his communications with Donald. And in this filing is an email from him to Donald about his statements on executive privilege. So it should be an interesting trial. Interesting to say the least. Goodness. <laughs> all right. Taking another left turn. President Biden promised on Wednesday to end hunger in the United States by the end of the decade unveiling an expansive government effort during the first White House conference on health and nutrition in 50 years? Wow. That is hard to believe. Now, the meeting of hundreds of policymakers, health activists, farmers, business leaders, it came at a time of steep inflation in the United States. Lines at food banks are swelling, food prices are rising at their fastest rate in four decades. 
and fears of a recession that could toss more Americans into unemployment lines are growing. This is a quote, in every country in the world, in every state in this country, no matter what else divides us, if a parent cannot feed a child, there's nothing else that matters to that parent. Mm -hmm. That was from our president. He said that in an address to the conference. It was the first such gathering since 1969, when Nixon hosted a summit that aimed to end hunger in America for all time. Fail. Yeah, the White House, I know. The White House plan hinged on $8 billion in commitments from the private sector to help fund hunger, including $4 billion that would be dedicated by philanthropies that are focused on expanding access to healthy food. Oh, that's so important. There's so many food deserts. We were just talking about that. The investments will come from some of the largest corporations in America, including Google, Tyson Foods, and Walgreens. Other actions are includes expanding nutrition research and encouraging the food industry to lower sodium and sugar, which is in high in most of those, especially processed foods. Mm-hmm. Some of the most ambitious proposals, such as expanding food stamps, and that's formally known as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, otherwise SNAP, which most of us know it by, and introducing coverage of medically tailored meals to Medicare. That would require congressional action, a difficult prospect at a time of deep political divisions, because most of this... Congress doesn't give a shit about people that are hungry right Republicans, now. Republicans, yeah, they would all vote. This, they wouldn't be able to get 10 Republicans to help feed people in the Senate. No way. Not in a heartbeat. The Biden administration is casting the summit and its focus on food as a key part of its equity agenda, noting that diet-related diseases disproportionately affect communities of color and people in rural areas. So, so true. Next up, former Trump campaign lawyer Sidney Powell and her countersuit challenging a voting machine maker's $1.3 billion defamation suit against her was dismissed by a federal judge today. Powell, who widely spread false conspiracy theories that Dominion voting systems rigged the 2020 presidential election with the help of some dead despot in South America, and claimed that the company was abusing the legal process by suing her. (laughs) She said the suit was suppressing public criticism and harming her reputation. Like that could be harmed any further. (laughs) You're going to make me look bad if you win. Oh, my God. U.S. District Judge Carl Nichols in Washington on Wednesday granted Dominion's motion to dismiss the suit, saying Powell hadn't alleged anything concrete to back up her claims. What? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Nichols also noted that defamation suits by design are intended to silence people from making false and harmful statements. (laughs) So when she's all... You're trying to suppress my pub- <laughs> suppress my voice. Yeah, that's what a fucking defamation suit is about, is to shut you up and quit, quit lying about things. Powell's complaint fails to link her abusive process claim to any act that Dominion has taken other than filing and pursuing its lawsuit. That's what the judge wrote. He also said she has thus failed to state a claim for abusive process. Powell didn't immediately respond to a message seeking comment. Dominion filed suit in January of 2021 against Powell. It also sued Fox News, Rudy Giuliani, and others it says, spread false claims about their company and its products. And one of my favorite lines, Dana, in the court ruling dismissing the Kraken's lawsuit is the one that says, previously in related litigations, the court granted Dominion's motion to dismiss a counterclaim for abusive process asserted by another group of defendants. See Dominion v. MyPillow, Inc. (laughs) For substantially similar reasons, the court will also grant Dominion's motion to dismiss Sidney Powell's counterclaim. And Dana, I have saved the best for you today. You really have. Thank you, AG. This is the headline, everyone. Romance novel model pleads guilty to dragging an officer down the Capitol steps. That's right. Bodybuilder Logan Barnhart 
who was identified with the help of online sleuths, admitted that he fought police officers on the Western front of the U.S. Capitol. Now, the only funny part of the story is what this schmuck did for a living, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Former President Donald Trump called on supporters who believed his lies about the 2020 election that they go to Washington, D.C. on January 6th, a Michigan bodybuilder turned construction worker who apparently was thrown out of the YMCA band. (laughs) And the village people responded with enthusiasm. I'll be there, Logan Barnhart wrote in response to the real Donald Trump on Twitter. So he's like, I know this guy can hear me. Mm. He was speaking directly to me on Twitter. Mm. When he arrived at the U.S. Capitol, he now admits he battled cops and, and, and he helped drag an officer down the stairs on the Western Front where some of the most barbaric violence of that day took place. Barnhart pleaded guilty on Wednesday to assaulting, resisting, or impeding certain officers using a dangerous weapon before U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan. Barnhart, he admitted he grabbed an officer by the vest and on the back of their neck and helped drag the officer in a prone position down the stairs and into the crowd. He later pushed officers and struck them with a flagpole. I think we saw that. I don't know if it's the same guy, but that flagpole in some of the video. And the judge said, Sullivan said, are you pleading guilty because you are guilty? In the virtual hearing. I don't know why this part makes me laugh. Yes, sir, Barnhart, who took the plea from his car. I guess he did this virtual hearing from his car. He responded, yes, sir, I'm pleading guilty. He said everything in the agreed upon statement of the offense was 100% true. Now, Barnhart was included in a superseding indictment along with eight other men. Barnhart, the indictment alleged, assaulted a Metropolitan Police Department officer identified by the initials BM and engaged in felony civil disorder, as well as committed four misdemeanor offenses. Now, depending on how his sentencing guidelines fall, And what a judge ultimately decides, A.G., he could spend around three to five years in federal prison. And I hope he's there for every day of it. And that's the that's the um, sentence for people who who plead. Yeah. So the folks who don't. Who have pled not guilty and are are going to trial, you're seeing them get six, seven, eight year, nine year, 10 year sentences. So we're at that stage now where, you know, at the beginning it was people were getting off with probation, getting 30-day sentences, then it went up to like four months and then and six months, and now we're up to four to ten years. And it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And the seditious conspiracy case, the Oath Keepers, they're right now selecting their jury. They're about halfway through. They want to get, I think Judge Mehta wants to get about 45 prospective jurors and narrow it down to 16 and then pick the final 14 from there. I mean, it's 12 and two alternates. That's why it's 14. And um, it's it's interesting. It's uh, they seem to be able to find jurors, you know, even though the oath keepers have filed multiple motions to change venue or to delay the trial, unsuccessfully that trial is underway, and uh, it should take about three to four weeks, and we'll know whether or not Merrick Garland's one hundred percent success rate in jury trials will stand, and whether or not they'll get a seditious conspiracy conviction because we've only had two in the last 86 years, Dana, one in 1936 or something and one in 1995. Wow. All the other ones were thrown out or they were acquitted. That's why people, they don't really often bring seditious conspiracy charges, um, but they did in this case. And I think they've got a really good shot at securing that conviction. So we'll, we'll see. We'll know soon. We'll know by Christmas. Very cool. All right, everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. After the- Are you struggling with the political upheaval of the current moment? 
Maybe you're trying to figure out how to keep going and fight for a better world. Well, starting in October, we're bringing you a brand new podcast made for the here and now. It's called Living Through It with ECM, a podcast for interesting times. Hosted by me, Elizabeth Cronice McLaughlin, a renowned activist and leadership expert, Living Through It hosts weekly interviews with guests who are changing the world from the ground up. We're offering you advice on how to continue working toward a better future in the face of burnout and exhaustion. And our aim is to inspire you, create hope, and share a collective vision for a more just and equitable future. I hope you'll join us on Living Through It with ECM, a podcast for interesting times. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have good news, confessions, corrections, Halloween photos, shit your kids say, shit you say, shit your parents say. <laughs> if you have fun swears you want to share with us, like interesting, you know, jumping Jesus on a pogo stick type swears, please send those in. And of course, holiday photos and adoptable pets in your area and your pets, whatever, anything you want. Dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. First up, Dana, pronunciation correction from Cuddly Turtle. The word is replevin, not replevin, but rather replevin. Oh. I think replevin. Replevin? 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 Yeah, I think replevin. All right. Now you're ready for the second component of this action. Oh, no. Detenue. How to say say replevin. (laughs) I've been saying replevin. Rid of replevin. Interesting. Well, thank you, Cuddly Turtle. I will... Definitely look into that. And I probably pronounced that in you incorrectly as well. (laughs) (laughs) And then from Brooke, pronouns she and her. Hello. Thanks so much for all you both do. Every morning I listen to your podcast while I make breakfast and it's enjoyable. It's an enjoyable way to start my day. Thanks, Brooke. This is Ozzy, our nine-year-old Bichon Havanese mix. He's my shadow, but a couple weeks ago he was unusually clingy and wouldn't let me out of his sight. He was restless at night and kept trying to sleep with me instead of in his own bed. Ozzy's behavior reminded me of how my parents' dog acted the same way towards my dad a few days before my dad had a cardiac arrest event. Wow. 23 years ago, and miraculously, my dad did survive. The only immediate thing I could do regarding my health was to take a COVID test. It was positive. Holy cow. I was asymptomatic. Without Ozzy's warning, I never would have known, and COVID could have spread to my husband and children. Dogs are amazing creatures. We're so lucky to have them. That's incredible. This is a wonderful submission and doesn't surprise me one bit. So awesome. Look at this beautiful little baby. So sweet. He's like, Mama, you're sick. You don't know you're sick, but you're sick. This looks like Joelle's puppy, Marley Moo. Little, so sweet. Little multi. Thank you for that. Yes, thank you for that. All right. This is from <laughs> Matt, pronounce he, him. Hi, Beans Queens. It's been a rough year. I had back and neck surgery and we lost our Chewini Thor. And Void Kitty Cleo. Oh no, volunteering at the shelter always puts a smile on my face. I share a lot of photos in the Pet Tax part of the Discord server. Pet Tax is my friend, Poopers. <laughs> and Poopers' number is A8065238806523. At Ventura County Animal Services. And <laughs> Poopers is adorable <laughs> and looks like it would be a great dog for any household. Pooper. Happy baby. <laughs> That's such a great name. Thank you for that. 
from Terry, pronouns she and her. Hello, beanies, ladies. Beanie ladies, excuse me. I'm a listener and patron from way back in the kitchen table days and had the pleasure of attending a live show in San Francisco. Woo! I think we were at the Independent in San Francisco. That was a fun show. I had planned a three-week vacation in Greece in September, was able to keep up on the political news daily by listening to the Daily Beans. And that assuaged my FOMO. (laughs) Each day we drove by a coffee house whose sign featured the motto, Grab Life by the Beans. Of course, I thought of the Daily Beans pod and had to share. For pod pet tax, I submit photos of some of the magnificent felines we encountered on our trip. Thanks for all you do, keeping us informed and sane. Look at that. That's a great sign. Grab Life by the Beans. I love it. And the kitties. Hello, kittens. They're cute. Ooh, floofy tail. They really are cute. Thank you so much for that. This is from Ty, pronouns he, him. I came late to the podcast party, but due to an argument with, <laughs> but due to an argument with a coworker, I started wearing headphones and found your wonderfully entertaining show. I just wanted to let you know how much I look forward to hearing from you two. Please, more swearing. You fucking got it, Ty. Attached is a picture of Milo Philip Golden. He has a middle name because he's a person. And how else would he know when he does something wrong if you don't use all three names like my parents did when I was a kid? Look at this little guy. Look at Milo Philip Golden. Oh, my God. Uh, His little bow-legged. I know. He's so cute. (laughs) That's a muscly dog, too. It's working out. He's swole. Love it. Next up from Emma, non-binary maybe. I just want to thank you for the amazing work all y'all do on a daily basis. I always get excited when your episode starts playing in my queue and your podcasts are never skipped, even when I get backlogged from listening to audiobooks at work. (laughs) I won't tell your boss, Emma. My good news is that earlier this week, we got back from a road trip to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where my son participated in the National Miracle League All-Star Baseball Game. The Miracle League is an organization dedicated to the idea that everyone deserves the right to participate in sports, in this case, baseball, And everyone deserves to have fun and enjoy themselves. My son has cerebral palsy and is down on his left side, but my picturing him run like Sonic between the bases still makes me uh, smile, everyone. Included are pictures of him at bat, then out at second base with his buddy, a volunteer from one of the local baseball teams that each of the 144 participants were paired up with. So cool. Thank you, ladies. This is awesome. I love it. Very cool. Makes me happy. All right. This next one's from Anonymous pronounced she and her. Shit kids say, hey, can I have a friend over for dinner? He's here to ride out Hurricane Ian. Sure, you say and send them. 15 and 20 years old to the store for a bag of potatoes. 15 minutes later, they FaceTime me and a speaker from the store's frozen food section. They're having trouble finding potatoes in a bag. I died, la- <laughs> I died laughing. I cried laughing. I think the people in the store were laughing. They were today years old when they realized there's a section of the store where the vegetables aren't frozen or canned. (laughs) Oh my God, have I failed as a parent? I'm not sure why they didn't just ask someone at the store. It has been hectic, so it was just the giggle I needed at the moment. (laughs) Thanks so fucking much for all you do and your team does. Longtime listener, Trump crime junkie, shouting loud that if you're not discussing politics these days, you're probably voting for Trump. Thank you, Leguminati. Pet tax. Chloe invites you to rub her belly and Angel makes it clear not fitting is irrelevant. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Look at oh, the- that is a belly. Look at the belly. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so cute. Adorable. Angel's beautiful, too. 
Look at that. Yeah. Thank you for these, everyone. I appreciate all of this. And thank you, uh, Replevin. I'll have to modify my language. You know, I could have sworn, Cuddly Turtle, that all of the lawyers I've seen on TV are saying Replevin. But maybe it's, it's, that makes it sound like a pharmaceutical, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. And this one looks like it says Replevin. Right. But the she bolded the P-L-E, meaning that's where the emphasis is. Right. So Repulvin wouldn't make sense. It would be Replevin, right? Well, I, I still think it's Repulvin. Well, here. Repulvin. Who knows? Let's listen. We can play it. There's a little thing. Ready, everyone? Replevin. Ah, Replevin. Replevin. Yep. That's what it's. Huh. Replevin. That's what it says. I still feel like we're those little aliens on Sesame Street. Electric <laughs> company. Yep, 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 yep. Radio. Telephone. Radio. <laughs> Awesome. Well, everyone, send in your stuff to us, dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. Dana, do you have any final thoughts? No final thoughts for today. All right, everybody, we will be back tomorrow. And until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take someone with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>